From Johannesburg to Jerusalem, the world is always changing, growing and innovating. Join Benji Shulman for the next hour as he brings you the trendsetters, the thought leaders and those creating news before it happens. Only on the New Blue Review, your favorite Jewish culture and current affairs show. Every Monday at 9 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. It's Groundhog Day. No, actually, it's not Groundhog Day. It's uh, the new Blue Review. But Groundhog Day was on the 2nd of February. So that was uh, late last week, I think on Friday. And uh, I could not possibly go through uh, a, a opportunity to take the new Blue Review's uh, program that was closest to Groundhog Day uh, uh, and, and not actually mention it as one of the iconic pieces of pop art related to radio. Um, if you're not aware, uh, Groundhog Day is a every second of February they have a Groundhog Day and on Groundhog Day there is a groundhog which is a kind of like a badger and the badger comes out of its hibernation and then uh, if it goes back into the its uh, into its hole or its badger hole or whatever, uh, then then you can be assured that it's going to be apparently an early spring. Uh, or, or no, I think if it doesn't, if it doesn't, if it comes out, then it's going to be an early spring. If it doesn't, then uh, winter is going to continue for six weeks. At least that is uh, the law uh, and the and the idea behind Groundhog Day. Uh, so and made of course very very famous by. A, a Bill Murray movie of the same name where he uh, wakes up every single day to the same day to the same radio announcer saying that it is Groundhog Day. Uh, and uh, the, apparently the Groundhog's day, it, name is uh, Phil. And uh, they also have one uh, in, in different parts of the country. It's, this one's in Pennsylvania, the main one. Uh, but there's apparently one in, uh, in different states as well, including in Staten Island. There's one called Staten Island Chuck the Groundhog. Uh, and uh, apparently was once actually killed by a mayor of New York who picked up the groundhog uh, to do what they do on Groundhog Day and then dropped it. Uh, and apparently that, that killed it. That was Mayor Bill de Blasio, who was an appalling New York mayor on a, a number of accounts, uh, not just because he killed a groundhog. Nonetheless, that is Groundhog Day. You are listening to the New Blue Review, and we've got a great show lined up for you today. Later on, we're going to speak to Rob Hutchinson, as we always do, about what is going on in Parliament. And we're talking about a new indigenous embassy in Jerusalem. We're going to find out what that is all about. And we're also, just after the break, going to be talking about the Dream Factory, trying to help kids at risk get, keep off the streets and uh, fulfill their uh, absolute potential. So we're finding out all about that on uh, the New Blue Review. And if you want to be part of the conversation, 34519, that is the SMS line. Uh, please do be part of it. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is the New Blue Review. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. 101.9 High FM. I'm Benji Shulman. This is the New Blue Review, and it is good to be with you this morning and uh, I'm happy to say that we are going to be talking about a really important issue uh, this morning which is uh, about youth at risk and how is it that uh, we are able to uh, help them with what is going on and uh, the person that we are talking to today is Zippo Chihota uh, who's programs director at Dream Factory Foundation uh, South Africa and uh, we're going to be finding out uh, all about their work. Zippo, welcome to the show. Thank you for being on High FM. 
Wow, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored. Thank you so much. Good morning to everybody and listening. So let's start off, uh, first of all, with what is uh, the, uh, the, the Dream Factory Foundation all about? Wonderful. So Dream Factory was established just over a decade ago by young people themselves uh, who just were going around uh, schools, uh, low uh, resource schools in the Western Cape and were inspiring young people to dream. Uh, and they asked these young people to uh, you know, take their boldness and write their dream letters. And so we received thousands and thousands of dream letters and we read them and responded to the dream letters. Um, but beyond responding to them, which was encouraging them to dream you know, and have a sense of purpose for their lives and believe that one day they too could actually actualize their dreams, we felt a certain purpose and calling to even help them with achieving their dreams. And so it really, you know, from a roadshow to a full-fledged organization, that is actually in the business of helping young people who would otherwise not have opportunities uh, to reach their dreams because of the circumstances in which they are born, in which they live in. Um, so we work with youth um, that are in school and we work with also youth that are out of school. And we believe that, you know, education is, a, is such a tool uh, to help young people through knowledge, through leadership, through mentorship and through opportunities to help them, you know, come arise above the circumstances and see themselves also living out their dreams as well. Now, you have uh, a number of different programs dealing with a, a variety of topics that are affecting the youth. So uh, maybe uh, before we get on to the main one that you actually just launched, uh, talk to us about some of the programs that, that are already established and working at the Dream Factory and what other countries, because not just a South African phenomenon anymore. Yes. So, yeah, so we started in South Africa, in Cape Town, um, and then uh, worked in other parts of Africa, but we also have a full uh, office in Botswana. We've also been able to work in Malawi, Zambia, Zimbabwe, and also in Cameroon um, in the last uh, five years. Um, so some of the programs that we have full running is... Uh, uh, coding, uh, where we teach these young people um, how to code, um, because there's a there's a way in which the world is changing, in which you know the skills that are needed in the workplace are changed, and young people in rural areas, in townships, in schools with no computer labs, they don't have access to these uh, technologies, to this new knowledge, uh, and so we try to bring uh, these opportunities to them in schools and teach them how to code. We also have uh, various programs uh, which are really centered around entrepreneurship, where we are teaching young people through our Be The Dream curriculum on how to actually see a problem and solve it. A lot of the work we do is also around mindset shifts. Um, we also do partner with corporates um, through our adopt to school uh, program, where we as Dream Factory Foundation, together the corporate company, uh, currently we have PricewaterCoopers uh, and uh, Discovery, uh, together we've adopted schools, and then we work with, um, in terms of a school system change, we work with the teachers, the learners, and even with infrastructure, and we see how we can you know, transform the school to where young people are able to thrive and learn and ultimately achieve their dreams. Now, one of the things that uh, you, you, um, that uh, your, your 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 people have done and uh, your, your organisation has done has um, has actually go uh, on Mashav uh, training course, um, which was uh, Mashav being the Israeli Foreign Ministry uh, Development and Assistance uh, organisation that's run to the Foreign Affairs uh, Group, and. And, and, and they, some of your guys went to the Youth at Risk Preventing Student Dropouts and Facilitating Reintegration course that was held in Israel in 2016. Ken, has that had a, a strong effect on, on your organization? 
Yes, totally. I mean, um, just the opportunity to have uh, to have been there and be able to just learn and get also a lot of knowledge exchange from the types of peers that were there and just the training um, that we've been able to receive has really been great. I mean, over the years, um, uh, we've been partnering with Marshall on a number of projects, uh, even in Botswana, because in Botswana we focus on agriculture. Um, we've been able to receive funding to even teach um, uh, 500 farmers on how to you know, do agro farming in the way that's you know conservative, in a way that is sustainable, in a way that is good for the environment and is also good for you know the business owners and the farmers there. So uh, through the knowledge transfers, through the funding we've received, um, it's really been uh, such a great impact. And even South Africa, uh, recently last year we received funding from Mashav. Um, uh, from uh, where we're able to uh, to teach young people on the dangers uh, on 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 online uh, safety risks because a lot of people young people now are always online you know and so a lot of the times young people are also experiencing cyberbullying and and teen suicides are also caused a lot about what's happening online and so through that funding we were able to uh, create such impact and even uh, prepare a document on learning outcomes on how to help the sector and how to help schools better protect young people from cyber crimes and cyberbullying. Absolutely fascinating. We're talking today to Zippo Chichota uh, from the Dream Factory Foundation. You're listening to 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is the New Blue Review. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Benji Shulman. This is the New Blue Review. And we're talking today to uh, Zippo Chichota from the Dream Factory uh, Foundation South Africa about their work. Now, Zippo, just before the break, we were talking about your online safety initiative. Uh, I believe that Mashav contributed uh, $10,000 towards doing some sort of pilot project uh, in regards to this. Which is, uh, you know, it sounds like uh, that's really great. Uh, maybe walk us through that. What does it look like to actually take a project that you have in mind and then sort of move it to some sort of completion so that we can start to see the effects that it's having in the schools and amongst the youth? Thank you so much for that question. So, um, you know, like I was mentioning earlier on about how great this problem is um, of young people. And uh, before we started the pilot, we did a survey of 300 parents and we asked them um, how many of them know if their, if their child has ever experienced any cyber you know, bullying. And uh, over 90% of them said they don't know. And when we did the same survey with uh, a thousand young people, if they've ever experienced bullying, we had 90% uh, of them over then that saying that they have experienced. So young people are not telling their parents about what's happening in their phones. So with the pilot uh, funded by Mashav, we were able to do a peer-based um, uh, program um, where we actually train young people to be able to contain and be ambassadors against uh, cyberbullying. Uh, we did that in encompassing teaching them digital skills. So young people were taught how to actually create websites, uh, social media pages to actually be advocates because we realized that the best solution won't be parents, you know, teaching kids about, you know, saying let's not have passwords because kids are smart these days. You know, parents are not even that technologically advanced anymore. So the best people to actually impact each other are peers. So Mashab helped us to empower young people, even in schools without, you know, the technology to actually teach them the skills um, about how can they actually learn digital skills and use it to help their peers uh, prevent, report, and also be able to um, to flag as well when these crimes are taking place. So this was done through several workshops. So we actually go into the schools um, and we work with the young people, teach them these skills. We also taught the teachers as well, um, as because well, if it's happening in the school, 
uh, the teachers need to be very um, observant about what's going on on the playgrounds, what's happening with young people's changing behavior and so forth. So it was a school-based prevention uh, project. And we also additional to the, to the schools, we also went into communities. So we went into um, uh, organizations with young people. We went into libraries as well um, to also see how we can help groups of young people in pockets be able to be advocates for what's happening amongst their peer age groups. Yeah, it's um, absolutely uh, fascinating the way that you uh, use the youth uh, to advocate amongst one another and build uh, and build these websites so that they can uh, help one another understand. I think it's such a such a powerful methodology and a really smart uh, way of doing it. Have, have you had any sort of feedback so far in terms of the project? Yes, um, it's the feedback has really been great because not only are those websites now uh, to be used by the learners, but even the schools, because of the learners, the schools even have websites now. Uh, so it has gone beyond the learner impact to go to the school level impact. Um, and so these are somehow even the, 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 the learners are able to even put that skill onto their CVs, right? So this uh, uh, funding help us to cross court issues, you know, one of cyberbullying, but also another issue of lack of skills. And also another lack of, you know, infrastructure in terms of schools and, and teachers knowing how to support and knowing how to be also equipped about what are the things that are happening online in this day and age. So it was really such a, a school level impact that was achieved by this project. Um, the websites are still running and they're still being used by the school. Um, so it's it's such a sustainable project because we left it so that the kids can also run with it and it can, you know, long, uh, it can have long lasting impacts beyond the project uh, pilot uh, implementation period. So now if people want to see the different uh, aspects of the work that you guys do, whether it's on the cyberbullying or the agriculture or uh, getting schools to turn around and make sure that they're functioning um, a lot better, uh, I'm, I'm sure that you have um, lots of, uh, you know, lots of space where people can find out. So uh, I'm going to ask you about that in a second. But I am I'm actually interested as well about the idea of turning around a school because you know, we, we always are understanding that we don't have enough resources in in our education sector. You know, schools don't have all sorts of things that they need to really function well. So, so how do you, when you're dealing with schools, actually work on implementing change? Like what are the sorts of things you have to look for and change in order to, to start to get better outcomes? Well, thanks for that question. So initially, uh, because we've been doing this for a number of years, we'd go into a school and implement a project and, you know, and that project maybe would run for maybe a year or two. And we saw that the all that was great, it wasn't giving us the long-term impacts of the change we wanted to do. So changing a system requires an effort, it requires also a buy-in from stakeholders. So we started with this, what I mentioned earlier, the adopt a school, right? So as one would adopt a child, where you'd have, you know, legal and all of that, um, making a serious commitment, we're also going to a school and you say, this is Dream Factory Foundation, we'd like to adopt you. So, and this is kind of like what we are uh, seeking to do, which is in partnership with the school. And then what if the school would be interested in that, which most schools are because they all need help um, beyond what the government is doing, would have a meeting with the principal, with the teachers, and they would tell us in terms of what are the challenges that are taking place and we'd have different workshops. So we are work workshopping the issues with them, but also the solutions. Because it's one thing to come into a school as an NGO and have a top-down approach and say, we're going to fix this, how, how, how. But you need the teachers, the principals to have a buy-in so that whatever knowledge you are giving them, they will be the ones to sustain because they are there every single day. We are not there, right? 
So this intervention, it has to have the school buy-in from every teacher, from every principal, and every supporting staff. But what we do, we, we put the learner at the center of everything that we are doing for their benefit. Then once we have that meeting, we start drawing up a map and saying, what is the biggest thing we can tackle now? So because Dream Factory is an NGO and sometimes have limited funding, we then go and say, okay, these are the schools, this is what they have challenges in, but this is also what they're doing very well. Then you go and seek out corporate partners to say, hey, can you adopt a school with us? Because we don't have the money for to build the vegetable garden to supplement the, 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 the food, but maybe you have a CSI um, funding that you can help and come on board. So we prepare a structure and an organization for how corporates can be able to engage schools in a much more long term and so we also do projects that are not just one day events like we do the gardens where if the school is get the training they can maintain the garden for a long time so now instead of going in and just getting bread for one day with the garden it will be more sustainable right so we go and say oh young people in Del South primary school they don't have a, a play area so they're great hours don't have something to physically stimulate their creativity. So let's build a, a jungle gym. So it's always about what is the best solution and who else must be in the room to help us solve those challenges and what is the long-term impact we want to achieve. And then we keep on monitoring the school and, and, and even with Discovery, for example, because they're in the medical field, um, we were able to offer teachers wellness checks, right? Wellness checks where they got to check their diabetes, high blood pressure, pressure, because if teachers are not feeling well, if they're not healthy, they cannot be good teachers in the classroom. But whoever will stop to ask them about their health because it's a job. But with us now, we think actually not, it matters. And Discovery has the resources to do free wellness checks while they're at the school because they can't take a day off to go to the clinic because they have to work. But if they bring their wellness checks in the school, we are solving the problem. So it's always about thinking about solutions and being creative with what we have. So Zippo, if people want to see the kind of projects that you're doing, maybe get involved, uh, understand where it is that you're focused, uh, where can they where can they do that? Uh, yes, they can find us uh, at our uh, the website is Dream Factor Foundation, um, the, uh, and then also as well as the the Facebook is at Dream Factor Foundation. So we always uh, do a lot of engagement and we share where we are, what we are doing on our Facebook page, and uh, and you can always pop us an email at dreams at Dream Factor Foundation or uh, We're always happy to engage and see how we can work with communities. Well, there you go. Thank you so much uh, for the work that you're doing. And thank you for joining us on High FM. That's Zipo Chichota from the Dream Factory Foundation talking about how do we help uh, our uh, at-risk youth uh, in our country so that they can have a better future. Uh, And go check them out and see the great work that they are doing because it really is really, really uh, fantastic. Now, uh, interesting thing that you might not be aware of, and uh, I'm sure that you are potentially a user of this particular product, uh, which I just thought was absolutely fascinating. And I'd love to hear from you what you think of this, because for me it was a a really interesting uh, thing to note, uh, which is that it is 20 years uh, nearly to the day that, uh, that Facebook was invented. Can you believe that? Started out as a uh, thing that was created for people who were at Harvard, and and it was a a network to to connect those students on that campus, and it grew and it grew and it grew, and uh, it eventually became uh, this massive three billion. Uh, 
uh, worldwide network that's yet used uh, and has spawned a whole uh, type of internet that we now call um, the 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 social um, the social in the, the social web uh, web 2.0 um, and uh, yeah and it is it, it is a an absolute phenomenon and I'd love to hear from you about what you think of Facebook because I think some people uh, actually probably don't like it anymore and they're more in, into the gram or into whatsapp or or whatever but uh, uh, it absolutely changed I think it just changed the world I think in ways that we we probably still don't know and in fact I see now that there's even moves afoot in Congress in America to actually uh, to actually ban social media for teens uh, entirely up to about the age of 16 which I think would be a, I'm not quite sure how they in, intending to really do that but uh, it could be a, a really interesting thing but I, I just you know on the, on the positive side with Facebook suddenly use you can connect with people all around the world with family with friends build communities uh, share news uh, and all of that and on, on the other side uh, it's like introduced a whole language you know blocking and poking you remember that uh, and, um, and and uh, having tars and arguments and 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 all the the outrage stuff that we see and uh, all sorts of things uh, which facebook sort of introduced even uh, even been blamed uh, for for rigging the the American elections, which I think is probably a, a little bit too far, even for Facebook. But nonetheless, what can you do? Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. What is your view on twenty years of Facebook? Three four five one nine. That is the SMS line. Telegram us on oh six one eight nine five one zero one nine. I'd love to get your thoughts uh, on it and uh, and what you think uh, about uh, about Mark Zuckerberg uh, and his um, crazy. Uh, invention uh, in, in that respect uh, absolutely uh, absolutely fascinating uh, but now